On this week's dose, we have Charlie Green, CEO and co-founder of Remento, the science-based tool that helps you capture family stories through conversation. Charlie always had a passion for great storytelling, but it wasn't only until recently that he decided to channel that passion into a startup. Hot off a seed round led by Upfront Ventures, Charlie sat down with us to discuss the overall fundraising experience, as well as what's in store for Remento moving forward. He also shared his beliefs about startups and provided several doses worth of advice for folks looking to start their own business. And unsurprisingly, Charlie was an incredible storyteller, and we are honored and excited to share this interview with you all. So without further ado, let's get right into it. This is Venture Pill, your weekly dose of startups and venture capital. We break down recent startups in the news and interview founders and investors to help you stay informed in the evolving world of venture. All right, we welcome on Charlie Green, founder of Remento. Welcome to Venture Pill, Charlie. How's it going? Hey, it's going well. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, we we saw that your company and, and immediately wanted to cover it a few episodes back, and so we're super excited to dive in deeper to the story of Remento, your background. If you could just start us off with your founder, kind of your journey as a founder. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? And then we'd love to eventually hear more of the details of how you came up with Remento. Uh, so we'll dive into that, I'm sure. Well, the, the short answer to that question is no. I, I wasn't always confident that I'd be a founder. I was always confident that I'd be interested in exploring storytelling as a profession. So I started off uh, long before my career, my life with a, a clunky camcorder strapped to my hand, making short news segments and mini documentaries about any topic that you can imagine. Had so many wonderful memories from childhood doing that, then had the, the privilege after graduating from undergrad of being able to explore the media landscape through a variety of different roles, first in journalism, uh, then as a speech writer, and then uh, in two different big media companies. And it actually wasn't until I went to business school that I had an opportunity to be able to focus on storytelling and media and technology through a different lens, the entrepreneurial lens through uh, the creation of a venture, which was very much inspired by several important experiences early in my life, uh, which I'm happy to share more about if that's of interest. Yeah, no, I think that's a great segue and, you know, certainly resonate with the power of storytelling. I'd love to see some of those, you know, short documentaries that you filmed on the camcorder one day. Um, but yeah, you know, the power of a good story whether it's sales related or just in conversation is, you know, the, the most powerful tool an entrepreneur can use. Um, and segueing into Remento a little bit more, would love to hear some more of the backstory and also the moment or the signal that you knew it was worth going all in on. Well, to the point of early documentaries, if you're ever interested, my claim to fame, I think perhaps a, a peak in my, my career was winning the 2009 C-SPAN documentary film competition with a dear friend from high school, Eliza McNett, 
we did a, a project on colony collapse disorder, which is the disappearance of honeybees around the world. Uh, so the the first project that I wow. was able, ever able to, to to create and share at scale, really, really the C-SPAN bus came to our school. That was the most exciting part of of that experience. It was a, a, real, <laughs> a real defining a real defining moment in my in my life. But uh, as it relates to Romento, um, the so so much of what we are building with with um, this company is predicated off of a series of experiences that that shaped my life. So I mentioned the childhood video camcorder being a staple of my upbringing. That was in large part because it was introduced to me by my parents who bought one of the first handheld video camcorders that was available about six weeks before I was born. And they used that device to film so many of the kind of milestone moments from my upbringing, the births, the birthdays, the graduations, the recitals, the kinds of moments that Kodak famously and very intelligently associated their brand with as Kodak moments. Uh, but it actually wasn't until after my dad passed away when I was 10 years old that our family came to realize really just how meaningful all of that video content was. And not only how meaningful it was, but specifically what was so meaningful about it, right? As we in the years after his passing, looked through all of this video. Of course, it was amazingly powerful to see videos of the births, the birthdays, the graduations, and the recitals, but actually far more meaningful to us was the video of my dad that captured him just being a person, right? It was wonderful to be able to see my dad holding me in his arms for the first time. Video I have and I treasure, but actually the video that I appreciate and treasure more than any other the single artifact that i would run into a burning home to pull out after family and pets is a video of my dad sitting at the breakfast table the morning that i was born and he's looking directly into the camera explaining how nervous he was to drive home from the hospital with a brand new baby buckled up in the back seat of the car and that is a video that means <laughs> very different to a 12-year-old kid who's having to make sense of having just lost a parent, as it does to someone now who, in the next several years, is hoping to have a child of his own. I can understand and empathize with him in a way that I never could have until this point in my life. So early in life, a, uh, a huge amount of value placed on the importance of long-form video as a way of documenting the existence and the meaning of the people that we care most about. And then 15 years later, my mom being diagnosed with stage three lung cancer, realizing that I had not honored that realization. I had moved up to Northern Maine where she was getting her treatment, I should say Southern Maine where she was getting her treatment. And there was one evening where I was looking at my iPhone and I saw at the very bottom of the photo library, tens of thousands of photos. And at the time, 1700 videos. And as I scrolled through, all of those videos specifically, I realized I did not have access to a single video of my mom longer than seven seconds. Plenty of short videos of her carving Thanksgiving turkeys and opening Christmas presents, but not a single video that actually captured her essence in a way that was anything similar to the long form video I have of my dad. So we set out to change that, but I had no idea what to do. Even with my C-SPAN student cam documentary, winning hat. I had no idea how to properly preserve the essence of my mom. So I did what I think all of us would do. 
who were motivated to do something like this, I Googled it. I found questions to ask a loved one before they pass away. I grabbed photos from scrapbooks, some of the photos that our family loved and I knew all of the stories behind, some of the photos that I didn't know anything about. And then we sat down to record a series of her best stories and that experience surprised me in two ways. The first way was that I ultimately learned more about my mom than I ever thought was possible of someone that I thought I knew everything about. And the second realization was that when we took that video content, cut it up into these individual snippets of her life and share that with her family, we were then almost instantly inundated with photos and videos and maps and music showing us how meaningful it is not only to hear the story of my mom sitting on Santa's lap for the first time, but how much more meaningful it was to be able to see the photo that my aunt found in her attic that actually features my mom sitting on his lap. And that is what <laughs> Romento is all about. It's the tools to be able to have a conversation with someone that you love with the intention of capturing those precious stories and then the ecosystem where those stories can be shared across the family and enriched through collaboration with others. Incredible. Yeah, that's a great story, an origin story of Romento and, and heartwarming. And certainly it touched it touched us when we learned what you guys were doing. Uh, we're curious a little bit more. When did you start thinking through what it would look like as a business and specifically as a venture backable business, which is our focus here on, on VenturePill is why did you want to raise venture capital money and how did you know it was, you know, something you wanted to really dive into and, and take a big bet on? Well, I would say it started slowly. So I was in my first year at Harvard Business School and famously on Friday, March 13th of 2020, was it? Uh, the world began to shut yeah. down. And all of the trips that I was planning to do as part of business school uh, slowly and then quite quickly were becoming canceled. Uh, and it became quite clear that there was gonna be a massive gap on my calendar over the two years that I thought I'd be spending a lot of time exploring the home countries of many of my classmates, right? So I began working on an idea that I had been thinking about for a long time, which was Romento, but hadn't actually had the flexibility and the time to be focused on. And it was in the process of incubating the idea on the campus, speaking with professors, then eventually speaking with other entrepreneurs, and then ultimately beginning the process of fundraising within the context of finishing out my second year of business school, I came to the realization that what we were actually planning to build was much more than just an app to help scale the solution that I had created in my family, but was pretty fundamentally a way of rethinking about how families around the world can capture, preserve, and share the stories that are worthy of capture. So as we spoke with customers, at the time they were just individuals, and what we heard from them was, a constant refrain of, I feel like I have so many photos in the digital age and I have no idea what to do with them. And I also realize that much of what I have in terms of the photos that are in my photo album speak to the moments in my life that I have lived, but don't provide anything in the way of documentation about how those moments actually shaped me, right? That was one of the learnings that we found. And the other learning was so many people said, oh my God, I've got a parent or a grandparent or Realistically, I don't really know much about their background. And it'd be kind of awkward to ask grandma where she grew up, because if I haven't asked up until this point, I'm probably not gonna ask at any point going forward. <laughs> so we took all of these component pieces and we realized <laughs> what a beautiful opportunity there is to give people the tools to be able to do what Ancestry.com, 
a $5 billion business, did for genealogy for family stories. Because at the end of the day, our family history is about a lot more than data. It's about stories. Yeah, I really like I like the way you frame that as a comparison to Ancestry.com. I hadn't thought about it that way. But you're right. It's the stories that make up a family, not the not the data. So, I, yeah, I, I really like that. Tell us a little bit more about who you were targeting in your fundraising. Uh, we know you have Alumni Ventures on the cap table. How did you get connected with the team at Upfront Ventures, and what was that process like? So I got connected with uh, our lead at Upfront Ventures through the – the business school network. So one of the things that I learned early in my career, um, my time spent in Washington, D.C., where networking is very much the currency, as it's probably fair to say is is true of any place, but maybe particularly true in, in the world of communications and politics, is the single best question that you can ask at the end of a informational interview or a conversation where you're asking for someone's opinion is, is there anyone, anyone else that you'd recommend I speak with who may have an interesting take on what we just talked about? Right? It's the surefire way to make sure that every conversation has a viral coefficient that keeps the ship moving forward. And it was through the course of having what I think amount, uh, amounted to be well over 100 different conversations with entrepreneurs, professors, and then ultimately venture capitalists that I got connected to our lead at Upfront. Uh, we received a term sheet, uh, and then we started building out a network of uh, not only institutional investors, but also angel investors. I think my, my biggest learning since we closed our round and spent uh, well over a year beta testing in a closed context the the, the app that we released uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Remento, um, is that angel investors can be a, a wildly powerful um, source of both uh, networking capability, uh, but also expertise in a variety of different areas. So. When I have the opportunity to speak to founders who are just getting started, I always encourage them to reach out to the kinds of people that you don't think you have the permission to actually have a conversation with um, because it's a real gift to be asked for your opinion on someone else's business, right? And it's one that we as, as founders often um, may not necessarily have the courage to do out of the gate, but it's one of the very humbling parts of this job is that people genuinely want to help. Um, so it was through the process of building out a network of people that were providing insight that we all ultimately were able to, to get money uh, and then close our seed round, uh, which was led by Upfront with participation from Alumni Ventures uh, and a variety of other institutions and angels. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Charlie. Super informative. Um, and I, you know, you, you peppered in a ton of highly valuable advice along the way and perspective as a founder. Um, especially that question you mentioned at first. It's such a you know low-risk, high-reward question to ask if you know anyone else in your network. And just a great way to continue building connections and networking that could be extremely valuable and helpful down the line, which seems to be the exact case with Remento here. Um, we'd love to hear, if you could, what what's next for Remento following this recently closed seed round? Yeah, so we just launched our product uh, within the last two months. So the product was released on September 7th. It's available in the Apple App Store. And it is an incredible opportunity to be able to build something that's now available to the masses and to be able to learn about what's working really well and then where are the opportunities for improvement. So a lot of what we're doing with Remento is experimental. It's encouraging new kinds of behavior. And the opportunity, that opportunity now is for us to learn about what's working and where 
where we want to double down, and then as we think about what's what's our, our roadmap going forward, where we can actually refine parts of what the offering looks like to make sure that we're meeting our users where they ultimately are. So as we think about what comes next, there's going to be more sharing, more collaboration, uh, but also thinking of different ways that we can actually be in the business of collecting stories. Because one of the things that we've done extensively is we've worked with a series of experts in the field, people that uh, we have brought along as part of our journey um, who have expertise in memory research, in storytelling, in neuroscience, and they're helping us think through memory is how memory is processed um, and how stories are told. So we're thinking about new and novel ways of being able to draw out of the people that we love the stories that are ultimately most capable of producing meaning and making sure that we're delivering them to our users in a way that meets them exactly where they are. Awesome. And so right now, I was just curious, obviously the focus is on families and individuals. Have you thought about a way to sell this product and provide value of storytelling, storytelling to businesses, to other businesses? Uh, I think the answer, the short answer there is absolutely. <laughs> we certainly have. Um, but at the end of the day, one of the, one of the things that's so important for us as a team to be focused on is focus. Right, the, the the classic trope that startups uh, startups don't starve, they drown, is is very true, right? It takes real discipline to identify a core set of value propositions for a specific set of individuals and customers, and really making sure that we build a product that's right for them before we branch off into other use cases and utilities. So, we're doing a tremendous amount of tremendous amount of experimentation, thinking about ways that we can diff be different, but ultimately we're really focused on our core customer as being individuals who have someone in their lives with more to share than they've taken the time to learn and making sure that we are experimenting within the confines of serving that audience, mindful of the fact, of course, that the technology that we're building to be able to work towards that goal will have applications very likely far beyond the core use case. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And it's exciting and probably hard to contain your excitement. Obviously, you're very passionate about the mission here. But to stay focused in, in an early stage is, is admirable. And so that's a great answer there. We also wanted to know, you're, you have a different background at, from most founders, I would say, that we've encountered. What do you believe about startups and venture capital that you would say is contrary to most others? Well, I would maybe I'd offer just one one anecdote from the, the fundraising process for us, which was perhaps different than the way most founders approach fundraising. I think one one common perspective is that it makes a lot of sense to validate your market and the solution that you're offering before you go out and raise money. And I could not agree more with that. There is so much in the way of no code tools uh, and solutions that allow you to get pretty damn close to building a full fledged product before you actually have to build a team to bring that product to life in a real scalable way. Um, maybe the, the more contrary perspective um, is that ultimately when you're going out to raise money, what matters a lot less than knowing what your CAC to LTV and your unit economics are, is knowing why you are the right founder for the opportunity and how you're gonna build a team to go after it in a meaningful and scalable way. And I think at the end of the day, so much of that comes down to storytelling. I remember when I was starting off with my my rounds meeting with venture capitalists, I went online and I, I searched for what is the traditional pitch deck look like? And 
There are the first five steps, the problem, the solution, the unit economics, CACTEL TV. It was just this very regimented formula. And I found myself like needing to contain my excitement for what we were building in pursuit of checking a series of boxes. And I crashed and burned in the first couple of pitches that we did. It was an absolute nightmare, right? <laughs> and some of the feedback that I got was, I thought you were a storyteller. It's kind of disappointing that you didn't know how to tell the story better. And here I was thinking, oh, I thought I was telling the story that folks wanted to hear when in reality I wasn't telling a story at all. So I threw away that pitch deck. And what I ultimately ended up doing was I created two different documents. One of them was a leave behind that had all of the data that a good venture capitalist needs to be able to inform the decisions that they made. They make. But the second document was what I used as a presentation guide. It had almost no words on it. It was mostly photos. And it was to accompany the story for why this business needs to exist and why the team that we were planning to build would be the right team to bring it to life. Um, so I'd be excited to hear other uh, folks who have thoughts on this. If you, if you all in your lines of work see people coming in without the standard pitch deck, um, N of one, it worked for me. Maybe, maybe it's a hot take for that reason. But um, I think, I think making sure that if you're a founder with an idea that you're passionate about, you don't let checking boxes get in the way of telling your story. That's just uh, really important to keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, absolutely love the message there. Thank you for sharing, Charlie. Um, as we transition towards the wrapping up of this interview, would love to hear a couple of startups that you as a co-founder and obviously outside of Romento uh, that have kind of caught your attention and that you think other people, our listeners, should keep an eye out for. Mm. Uh, I can give you two two early stage ventures that I am tracking closely and am excited about both. One of them is uh, Tango, which is an awesome uh, tool that helps with step-by-step how-to guides in real time. So for anyone that's ever done something that they then had to explain more than once, Tango is the tool for you. They create really thoughtful, automated, step-by-step -step tutorials of anything you can imagine, basically anything you can perform on a computer, Tango is going to be able to help you with that. Um, so uh, I'm a big fan of, of that team. And then uh, there's a, a brand new company that I've been tracking closely. I got married. Um, I got married four months ago. And one of the things that was so surprising to me was how much infrastructure there was set up around the marriage industrial complex to be able to help me me and my, my fiance at the time spend our money against <laughs> caterers and venues and everything you can imagine. But there was this, it seemed like this <laughs> massive void in helping the two of us, not particularly religious, <laughs> religious, like think about how the ceremony should unfold throughout the day. Like no shortage of ways to be supported. If you are thinking about doing heavy hors d'oeuvres or a seafood bar. Um, but like when it came down to actually making sure that the experience of inviting officiants uh, and people to give toasts into the process and, in the hope of making that meaningful, we found ourselves like grasping for straws. So there's a company called Provenance that is looking uh, to build a digital services platform that's helping officiants and people who are looking to give toasts design meaningful and personal, personalized ceremonies. So they are very early in their journey, but uh, I'm, I'm super excited to track that company. And anyone who's getting getting married, I'd highly recommend you you check them out. They've got a, a great amount of free content that I found really helpful as, as we were planning our wedding. Super cool. Yeah, we, we'd love to check those ones out. And when they're raising their next round, you know, you, rest assured, they'll be covered on, on the pill. <laughs> um, well, Charlie, we appreciate it a lot. Uh, we always like to wrap up our rep, our episodes with 
and you've always already given a bunch of great advice, but to the pilgrims out there, our listeners, who may want to become a founder or maybe they want to become an investor, just play somewhere in the venture ecosystem. What What's some other advice that you'd have for them? Yeah, so uh, two pieces of advice is the scariest thing about committing to something new is committing and getting started. And the reality is that if you want to explore becoming a founder or you want to explore VC, the first and easiest thing to do is just set a goal of talking to a certain number of people in that space about their journey. Again, asking questions of someone is a gift of selflessness and it is a way of honoring what you perceive to be the gravity of what they've built in their own career. So no one will ever be upset with you if you ask if they are asked for advice uh, and to, to share insights about their background. Um, the worst thing they'll say is no. And, and the second piece of advice I would I would say is is um, just do it right. If you want to become a founder of a company that has a consumer product, the, the question you should be asking yourself is why can't you just start building in the nights and weekends, early mornings, if that's for you, right? There is so much in the way of taking baby steps, um, putting forth hypotheses, validating them, invalidating them, getting started. Um, so I think uh, I have, I know plenty of companies that are founded with not much more than a rough plan of what they're gonna do. Um, but I think so many of the really wonderful companies that do get funded, have proven that there is a real need in the market for the solution they're offering. And many of them have found super scrappy and hacky ways to validate that they are the right people to come up with the solution. So the advice would be, whatever it is that you're thinking about doing, ask yourself, why haven't you started yet? What small piece can you bite off to show that it's the right fit for you? Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Thank you again for providing that valuable advice. And you know, I plan to put that into action myself. Um, before we let you go, just want to, and this is an opportunity for you to, you know, shamelessly plug yourself and the team, but what's the best way for our followers, our listeners to connect with you on social media, keep track of what the team is up to, what's next? Well, first and foremost, I would say, if you've got someone in your life that you could stand to benefit from learning a little bit more about, I would implore you, not as the founder of a company, but as someone who had an experience that changed his life, I would implore you to have a conversation with that person that is focused on learning something you didn't know about them. And I cannot recommend highly enough that you record it. So that would be the, the first the first ask of each of your of your listeners. If we can be helpful in coming up with questions and actually recording it, making sure that it doesn't just get relegated to Google Drive account and get lost, like Remento can be the app for you and you can find us in the Apple store. You can visit our website, remento.co for anyone who's not hearing it right. It's like reflect and memento, remento. Um, and uh, if, if you're interested in, in learning more about what we're building, if you're learning about, interested about learning about our team and uh, the roles that we're hiring for, uh, you can reach out to me. I'm charlie at remento.co. I'm also uh, fairly active on LinkedIn. Um, under the name Charlie Green and, and Romento. So would love, if anyone is interested in learning more about what we're building, feel free to reach out. Happy happy to share. Yeah, talk about an awesome company with a great mission to join and certainly fast growing. So a uh, great time to, to take a look at those roles. Um, Charlie, we appreciate you so much for coming on. Uh, we're excited to help share the story of Romento and uh, hope, hope to stay in touch. I appreciate you both. 
Thank you. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another dose of startups and venture capital. And as always, we appreciate our pilgrims spreading the word about the show. Share with your friends and help someone else make the pilgrimage. See you next time. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little low-key, okie-dokie. That's all right, but wait, I don't know how to do that.